Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast. I'm your host, Sarita Fisawasam. Thanks for joining us. Motor vehicle theft is an issue that takes place across not only our local area, but across the state, country and world. Whilst the advent of new vehicle protection technology might play a key role in reducing its level of frequency, it still remains an issue today. So joining us to discuss this form of crime in depth is the Chief Executive of the National Motor Vehicle Theft Reduction Council, Jeff Hughes will share his expertise on the types of vehicle-related crime taking place today. Before we get started, to keep up to date with the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast, hit the follow or subscribe button on your podcast player. We are also on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, so feel free to follow us on these platforms as well. Here is our discussion with Jeff Hughes of the National Motor Vehicle Theft Reduction Council. It's great to have you on the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast, Jeff. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure. Excellent. Well, before we get into all our discussion on the theft of motor vehicles across the state, uh, it would be great to learn a bit about yourself and uh, the National Motor Vehicle Theft Reduction Council. Sure. Well, we're a joint initiative of uh, all state and territory governments and uh, the insurance industry. They fund us on a 50-50 share basis, and we exist to develop and implement um, strategic infrastructure changes uh, or settings uh, that uh, are designed to disrupt vehicle crime. That could be everything from at one end of the spectrum working with vehicle manufacturers and importers about the standard of new technology, new security technology being introduced to vehicles, working with police uh, and road authorities about their investigative and registration practices, for example. But we also do uh, a lot of work with young offenders, trying to divert them from uh, a criminal path early in their career rather than them sliding into um, being in and out of detention and then uh, a lifetime of uh, in and out of uh, prison and uh, a firm trajectory down the criminal path. So it's a very, very, really broadly based um, strategy. Mm, for sure. Well, I guess with the young offenders, would you say that motor vehicle related crime is uh, an avenue that many 
sort of seek as a entry into criminal behaviour? Yeah. Well, crim- criminologists actually call it a breeder crime. So it's often where most criminals start out, dabbling in vehicle theft. Um, most young people grow out of it, though, so they might steal a vehicle or be associated with friends that steal a vehicle, but they realise after a period of time that it's not as cool as they thought it was and they just stop doing it of their own volition. But around about 15% go on to be high-rate recidivist offenders. Uh, it's not uncommon for a recidivist by the time uh, he or she um, reaches 20 that they may have stolen two to 300 vehicles. So if you can divert that, that activity uh, earlier rather than later, then you can, one, get their life going the way they really want it to, and two, um, really disrupt uh, the, the trajectory of vehicle crime. That's great. And in terms of the areas that you work in regarding trying to identify trends and working with police and the like, how can you say the landscape of um, this world has evolved in recent years with technological advances and the like? Yeah, there's absolutely no question that technology has made a, a major impact on uh, reducing vehicle crime over the last decade in particular. Um, so if you compared uh, the year that we've just come out of, the financial year we've just come out of with uh, 2001, for example, um, which was the peak of vehicle theft uh, crime in this country, there were over 142,000 vehicles stolen in Australia that year, and this year we're under 60,000. Um, so technology, particularly engine and mobilisation technology, has meant that you simply can't, as they say in the Hollywood movies, hotwire a car or most cars any longer, certainly anything made after 2001, but particularly after 2006 when there was a sort of step change in the sophistication of those systems. Uh, so that's really helped drive the numbers down. And it's also reduced the number of young number of offenders who are prepared to go that to that additional length to break into a house to steal a car. That's really been the big change we've seen in the last five years in particular. There's been a, a big increase in residential burglaries to steal keys and then steal the car. And in fact, our, our the analysis of data that we've done has been showing very consistently now for some time that seven in 10 late model vehicles are stolen with their own keys. And about half of those occur from the home and another 25% from the street immediately adjacent to the home. So perhaps contrary to common perception, home security is really critical. And being conscious about uh, safeguarding your keys is a really critical factor in helping uh, keep numbers down. Yeah, well, well that, that's interesting to learn. As far as the connection between car security and home security, is that something that really uh, people uh, have to really be mindful of as far as both? Because I think in, in years gone by, um, there, there might be a bit of a relaxing attitude in that respect. Yeah, look, we're all creatures of habit and we like to um, uh, uh, fall into routines that perhaps don't keep uh, key security at the top of mind all the time. Um, what we're encouraging people to do is do three simple things that can really help mitigate your risk of falling victim 
by this residential uh, burglary mode of theft, and that is to pop keys out of sight in the home, so don't leave them on the kitchen table or on a hall table or near an open window or doors, um, preferably locked doors and windows, um, and make sure everyone in the house is doing the same. So we're saying pop and lock and help us stop um, vehicle theft. And so in terms of the offenders who are gaining access to properties, are they doing it uh, whilst the offend whilst the residents are in the house, like say sleeping, or when they're out and about? Uh, it's a combination of both. Certainly, some are prepared to enter premises that they know are occupied. Um, pleasingly, the good news is that there's hardly ever a face-to-face -face encounter. So they're what we call sneak thefts. So the offender is really uh, looking to get in and out in a few seconds uh, and not come face to face with the householder. Um, but that means they're also looking for soft targets. So if they can see open doors or windows, that's like a, a light to, to them as a moth to be drawn towards uh, that as a potential um, uh, uh, um, entry point of entry. Um, it's still very much opportunistic though, so people shouldn't be concerned that they're somehow being surveilled for days on end to pick the right moment, that, that's not the case. Nearly all these thefts are opportunistic in nature and they're taking advantage of uh, what they perceive to be lax uh, security around the home. Mm, well, I guess we're getting into uh, the warmer months of the year and with that, there might be the tendency to say sleep with the window open or, or those sort of, uh, uh, you know, those sort of um, behaviors. Would you say that criminals are aware of uh, these sort of opportunities that might present themselves? Absolutely, yeah, they are, and they'll they'll keep going and they'll keep looking until they find a a um, suitable um, point of entry. So if you compare yourself to your neighbour, they're all locked up and safe and secure, but you're not, then you're an obviously more vulnerable target. So we know it's challenging in um, warmer months, particularly if you don't have air conditioning, but having the window open doesn't mean it can't be partially locked in a partially open position so you can get some airflow, but doesn't allow uh, access of a human through, through it, for example. Mm, well, that, that's good advice. And you referred to earlier with theft uh, of motor vehicles really changing uh, from the early 2000s, around 2006 onwards. Are vehicles before the age of 2001 uh, more likely targets for vehicle theft? Um, given uh, the technological differences? Well, there's not as many of them. That, that's the saving case. So um, the, the average vehicle age of the, the average age of the Australian vehicle fleet's about 11 years. Um, so the number of pre-2000 vehicles is really a decreasing proportion um, over time. But funnily enough, um, there's still enough of them on the road to be a target. And a great example is the most stolen vehicle in uh, Victoria uh, in the last 12 months is a 1995 Nissan Pulsar, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, which doesn't have any form of electronic mobilisation. And so they're very easy targets to steal with even uh, very crude tools like uh, a screwdriver and a coat hanger. Yeah, well, that's um, interesting to note. I guess with 
the methods that like that you've just outlined are these ones that thieves can get away with doing in a more public environment uh, yeah, so most of those pulse out thefts would be um, from the street rather than from the immediate home, if you know what I mean. So, uh, and they, they may be stolen sort of late at night when there aren't people around, and the thief feels like they got the time to be able to use the the um, uh, coat hanger to perhaps pop the door lock mechanism and then the screwdriver uh, as the key. So for those owners of older vehicles, our message is also very clear. Uh, you can get an Australian standards engine and mobiliser retrofitted to most older vehicles for around about $200. And we think that's great um, peace of mind. And our website includes a list of trusted installers that will do that for you um, for that price. Well, uh, yeah, $200 is certainly uh, better, cheaper than buying a new car. In terms of what you referred to a bit earlier on the home being the target uh, for a lot of car thefts nowadays, do you at the National Motor Vehicle Theft Reduction Council work with home security providers to sort of uh, learn about how they kind of tie in together? Um, no, not directly, but we have partnered up with Neighbourhood Watch, um, uh, particularly here in Victoria, around uh, their How Safe Is My Place website, which is a great um, host or store of information about uh, home security, lock standards, um, window locks, all manner of um, security hardware for the home. And so we simply point them to that as being the best source of uh, authoritative advice. And it includes a simple um, audit of your own home security to see how you compare against what represents good practice. Mm, that, that's terrific. And uh, yeah, Neighbourhood Watch uh, is a terrific service and, and really uh, to have that partnership, I guess, would enable um, a bit more of a broadening of the message. Yeah, we, we work very closely uh, together. We've also worked with Crime Stoppers in the past on uh, particular vehicle campaigns as well. So I think it's important that whether it's us, whether it's you at Crime Stoppers, whether it's Neighbourhood Watch, we have a consistent message about what the risks are and the best steps uh, uh, you can take to mitigate um, your risk. And we've really together um, worked very hard at that over the last couple of years where um, I think we're now at the point where there's that strong consistent message coming from uh, whether it's a senior police officer, myself, or um, uh, or Crime Stoppers or Neighbourhood Watch. We've all got that consistent focus on um, security beginning at home and safeguarding of keys being absolutely critical uh, to um, help us reduce vehicle crime. Mm, that's great. Looking at this year, we've uh, been in a completely different set of circumstances. <laughs> what can you say about the the correlation between the numbers in motor vehicle related theft offences and the level of uh, travel made across the state this year? Sure. So one of the perverse sort of outcomes of the pandemic, which has had a a terrible impact on our social and economic lives is it's actually helped to dampen um, vehicle crime. So in March, before um, the lockdown arrangements started to occur nationally, we were anticipating vehicle crime would rise above 60,000 thefts 
for the first time since the global financial crisis in 2007 to 2009. And so those lockdown arrangements at the end of March really helped uh, dampen that upwards trajectory. So we settled at somewhere around about 58,000 thefts nationally at the end of June, largely on the back of um, that restricted social movement um, that meant people were at home more, uh, but, but importantly, young people weren't, uh, weren't able to be out on the streets and, uh, and committing, uh, committing crime. Yeah, well, that, that, that makes sense. As far as the 8pm curfew that was enforced for a, a certain period of weeks, did, were there theft-related offences that happened outside of the curfew? Uh, it's a little early to say. We, we um, haven't been able to analyse the data to that level of uh, what we call granularity um, just at the moment because it's so fresh. Um, we get it uh, at the end of uh, every um, three months. Um, but I know from speaking to uh, senior police here in Victoria, um, it became really evident uh, when they saw groups of people, particularly younger people, out after eight o'clock that they um, might bear some questioning. So um, uh, it, it really made a significant uh, difference in, uh, in that level of offending that period. The downside is that both we and, and police are very concerned that as the social restrictions are lifted, as they need to be, and hopefully they will be further um, from maybe this weekend, um, whilst that uh, should be welcomed by everybody, it's particularly important that the community be vigilant at this time because we expect as the social restrictions ease, so too will property crime and vehicle theft in particular start to increase again. There's a well-established um, uh, criminogenic uh, link between the performance of the economy, economy and property crime, of which vehicle crime is a subcategory. Um, so the, the, the hypothesis, and it's um, stood the, the length of time, is that when the economy's performing well and there's close to full employment, um, good average wage growth, property crime decreases. And when the opposite settings are true, so high unemployment and particularly high unemployment about young people at the minute, then property crime and vehicle crime will rise. So. Um, my message around that would be as we come out of these restricted times, just be vigilant about your home security and the safeguarding of your keys to make sure that uh, some opportunistic thief uh, isn't able to exploit um, your lax security practices and steal your vehicle, which I think people will recognise perhaps more than ever is so vitally important to our mobility to be able to work, to be able to socialise and uh, and um, uh, you know the whole family sort of um, operations. Mm. Now that 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 that'll be uh, ideal. Um, yeah, to adopt those behaviours. As far as organised crime syndicates are concerned, do they have a major involvement with the theft-related offences on motor vehicles? Yeah. So um, about seventy uh, percent or seven in ten thefts will be recovered. Uh, in some way, shape or form, albeit um, the vehicle may be subject to significant either mechanical or structural damage. Uh, about 30% will never be seen in its original form again, and that's where the organised criminal, what we call profit-motivated thieves, uh, operate. So they're looking in the current environment to steal vehicles, break them down to their um, separate parts, 
and sell those parts on the black market uh, or increasingly ship them overseas. Um, uh, we've got a, a major uh, project on with um, Victoria Police and the uh, Australian uh, Border Force and other Commonwealth agencies to try and get a better handle on that export of stolen vehicles issue, uh, which we say could could account for uh, about four in ten of every every um, four in ten of every uh, unrecovered stolen vehicle. Mm. Well, that, that, that's an interesting stat. Uh, with the crimes on motor vehicles, rebirthing of motor vehicles, um, is that something that's still a, an issue? Um, it can still occur in very limited circumstances. We'd say we'd rate that as one of the lower risks. So of all the vehicles that are stolen or not recovered, we'd currently say uh, less than 5% of those are um, rebirthed via um, traditional rebirthing methods. And what that means is um, uh, uh, traditionally criminals would organise crime, would steal a vehicle, and take the identifiers off a, uh, a written-off vehicle and apply them to the stolen vehicle and present the stolen vehicle as a repaired written-off vehicle. With a lot of work um, uh, between us and road authorities nationally to close off the opportunity to do that and record the identities of written-off vehicles nationally, um, that's much more difficult to do. Um, one of the interesting um, changes, though, is they're very quick to adapt. The organised criminal networks are very quick to adapt, and that's why we've seen them move or shift their focus from that traditional form of rebirthing or re-identifying a whole vehicle to stripping it of parts and on-selling the parts. And interestingly, uh, uh, a basket of um, separated parts for many vehicles is worth more on the market than uh, the unitary vehicle. Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting one. I guess that there, there could be more profit made off each individual part. Yeah, so that's right. And the other interesting dynamic that's become very evident um, in the last three years, and we're, again, we're doing some more uh, detailed investigation with, with police here in, in Victoria and in Queensland, is um, the other criminal uses that a stolen vehicle um, might be put to. So there's increasing evidence that uh, uh, vehicles are being hung on to for longer periods of time. So even those that are being recovered are being hung on to for uh, a longer period of time than they were five years ago. So if we're having this discussion five years ago, that's 70% of vehicles that are stolen and recovered most of them, uh, it's somewhere in the high 70 percentile, would have been recovered within seven days. And we've seen that fall to um, uh, around about the mid-60 percentile. So um, criminals are hanging on to the vehicles for use in other crimes um, over a number of days. And we're, we're, as I said, we're trying to um, uh, sort of unravel that as we speak um, to try and get some insights about what are the most, um, what we're calling ancillary or second and third crimes that stolen vehicles are used in to try and identify whether there's other things that could have been done that might have stopped those second or third crimes. Mm, yeah, well, I, I was going to head the conversation in that direction. Uh, you would think that when you, when an offender stealing a, a motor vehicle that they're not, that they're going to try and make the most of their time within the vehicle. 
and that could lead to further offences. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's not an entirely new phenomenon. Uh, I mean, I think South Australian police used the term ribbon of crime maybe about 15 years ago to describe a practice they saw of a single theft event then being linked to other um, more serious crime. Um, but that's one of the, the un, unfortunately, the, the bad guys don't put in best statements to tell us exactly what they do. So, and, and sometimes the, the data is really hard to uh, interpret and link up. Sometimes it's in silos and sometimes offences that, um, uh, particularly at an offender level, if you're the offender, you may ultimately be charged with the most serious uh, crimes in that string of criminal activity and um, not necessarily the, some of the lesser crimes. So untangling what the data says is, is uh, can be challenging, um, but we think we've found a methodology to try and get some insights, and that's what we're hopeful we'll be able to um, uh, share before the end of the year. Mm. But, it, but it, extend, it extends from everything from uh, other crimes against the person, like abductions, uh, drive-by shootings, um, those sorts of serious high-harm, high-impact crimes, and nearly always performed by offenders in a stolen vehicle because that's a way to obscure their identity. Uh, and at the other end of the spectrum, uh, you've got people at, at the lower end of the crime sort of um, uh, continuum doing things like petrol drive-offs and toll evasion, uh, using stolen or cloned number plates, for example, to avoid detection. Um, one of the sort of perverse outcomes of hanging on to a stolen vehicle for a longer period of time, um, obviously its registration number is captured in police systems as being stolen and being on a vehicle of interest in terms of um, uh, on-road uh, interception, etc. And so what the criminals are doing is stealing number plates from other like vehicles or cloning the number plates of a car that's parked in a car yard somewhere, for example, but is maybe the same make and model, to disguise the, the identity of the stolen vehicle when it's being used on the road network. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating how they're trying to cover themselves with all these different methods. Yeah, which really means, you know, we, we need to, as a... Um, uh, a broader law enforcement community in the broader sense. We need to be better uh, joined up in our systems and thinking around uh, how we might be able to identify this, this activity at, a, at an earlier stage. Mm, yeah, for sure. I, our discussion has mainly focused on the, the offending side of things, but I guess when it comes to all um, motor vehicle uh, theft-related offences as a victim, uh, what can you say about the impact these type of crimes have on victims? Yeah, there's a community mindset, I guess, that, um, that, that it's not going to happen to me. And so when it does, it comes as a major shock. Um, so I think people who haven't been a victims underestimate the personal impacts that um, losing a vehicle and particularly having an offender in your home um, uh, may bring. Um, in terms of monetary impacts, um, we estimate that uh, even if your vehicle's recovered, you could be, if it's significantly damaged, you could be out of pocket to up to $5,000 for the experience, uh, particularly if insurers had to um, um, total loss the vehicle and settle the claim. You've then got to go about um, buying a new vehicle and you may not be able to get one to the same value as the vehicle you lost, those sorts of things. 
Uh, and people really underestimate the out-of-pockets about having to ferry the, the, the family uh, around the home or off to sports days or to school or to get to work. Uh, and so the financial impact is significant, but um, it's the psychological impact too that I think people underestimate. Um, and we want to do some work going forward to uh, try and get victims to talk to us about that personal experience as well, about feeling violated and, and all those sorts of things. And it's particularly um, uh, relevant to the residential burglary thing. People uh, just don't like the thought of having someone they don't know uh, in their home. Mm. Yeah, and I guess a product of the uh, advanced technology in the motor vehicle front is that yeah, these burglaries are probably rising uh, if, if the offenders are desperate enough to want to steal a vehicle. Yeah, I guess there's two things to remember, though. So the technology itself has had helped reduce that the figure by 60% uh, since 2001. So it's made a major positive uh, contribution. And it has reduced the number of offenders that are prepared to go that that additional length. If we're having this discussion uh, maybe even 10 years ago when there was still a good number of vehicles that could be stolen from the street using the screwdriver and coat hanger, um, young offenders often saw that as being almost victimless, if you like. They'd say, well, you're going to get your car back. I've just borrowed it for uh, to get from A to B or whatever it might be. Um, and fewer of them are prepared to go to that next they're able to draw a line, if you like, in their own um, uh, decision-making process that breaking, move, moving from that to then uh, walking to someone's home to steal keys is a bridge too far. So, and, and Victoria is a good example of that. If you look at the Crime Stats Agency data for young offenders over the last five years, the, the total volume has reduced. So there's fewer young people committing fewer offences. But what we're left with is a small number of really prolific offenders, or recidivists, as we call them. Mm, mm. Well, that's really good to learn. Carjackings um, are a crime that, that seem quite extreme in, in its, its operation. What can you say about them in Victoria? And are they something that happen uh, on some level of frequency or... Is it something that is, is truly uh, out of the ordinary? Yeah, look, it's a really rare event. So in Victoria, uh, the phenomenon of, of using force to um, get someone out of their vehicle and steal it uh, peaked in about 2016 on the back of um, some then so-called um, uh, elevated activity amongst um, youth uh, gangs in particular. Uh, and look, the police knocked it on the head reasonably uh, quickly. So they arrested lots of offenders. So you, the, the difference is you have a witness, for starters, who actually saw who it was that uh, uh, that took the vehicle from them. So that's helpful from an investigation's point of view. But even at its peak in 2016, it represented only about one in every hundred thefts. So um, it's a very rare event. I, I don't doubt if it happens to you, it's not pleasant. But um, uh, people shouldn't be overly concerned about carjacking. It, it is uh, uh, very rare. Um, having said that, our advice to people is to uh, uh, make sure um, you drive with your with your doors locked, which just you know presents some opportunistic simply jumping into the the passenger seat and then making a claim against you.
Mm, yeah, that definitely. That'll be a, a nice way to protect yourself in such an easy manner. With locking your car, theft from motor vehicles uh, is also a, a type of crime that takes place on uh, on a more regular basis. What can you say about that type of crime activity and, uh, and any advice you can give our listeners? Uh, don't leave valuables in your car. <laughs> That's the best advice um, we can give you. But um, uh, just referring back to an earlier comment I made about uh, criminals using um, stolen number plates to disguise the identity of the vehicle they originally stole. Number plates are overwhelmingly the most commonly stolen article from, uh, from vehicles. Um, we're up in the tens of thousands here in, in Victoria. Um, and beyond that, it's things uh, that are very um, obvious, I guess, like um, navigation, um, stick-on nav navigation devices, um, mobile phones, laptop computers left on the back seat, those sorts of things. So it's really critically important that you, um, you perhaps behave a bit like a shopkeeper does. They make sure when um, they uh, leave their premises each day, um, there's no, no nothing valuable left in the till. Use the same practice, if you like. Remove valuable items from that are on view uh, in your vehicle. Um, and there, there's not many offenders that will simply smash a window on speculation that there might be something in the vehicle. Um, most of them uh, only proceed when they can see something that they want to quickly grab. And with uh, newer vehicles, with in terms of the ability to use like those more covert methods like the coat hanger to open the door have have has that sort of reduced in, in with the manufacturing oh, of vehicles yeah massively so um if you look at um what we call um access control so that's standard of uh, uh locking systems so most modern vehicles now have what we call a double deadlocking feature so um Unless the vehicle's under power, you're not able to force the, the door open. Um, and uh, many have um, very sophisticated um, uh, sonic alarm systems that can detect the sound of shattering glass or an arm reaching into uh, an open window, that sort of thing. Uh, and then when you combine that with um, the active security like engine immobilisation, that's now uh, talking to every electronic component in the vehicle's chain so that um, I, the, the, the step chains that I referred to in 2006 was the advent of um, fully uh, CAN bus, um, uh, so local area network computer systems talking to the vehicles. So you, got, you need to view the modern vehicle as a large computer, if you like. <laughs> Uh, and so the most common systems mean, or the, the, today's modern systems mean you can't plug in an external ignition, for example, and override the vehicle's own ignition. It won't recognise, um, it uses an electronic signature to say, no, I don't recognise you, so I'm not going to work with you. So that was a really significant change, even in combating um, more organised, profit-motivated criminals who were prepared to bring a completely separate ignition and try and plug it in to the vehicle's wiring system. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really uh, fascinating. The National Motor Vehicle Theft Reduction Council is, is home to a wealth of uh, statistical information regarding anything relating to motor vehicle theft. It'd be great to go into some of the um, key stats that uh, you have regarding uh, these type of crimes. In terms of 
the nation. Victoria, over the past 12 months, recorded the highest uh, amount of thefts on a percentage basis. Uh, what can you say about that? Um, it's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, so for um, right up until about 2015, uh, New South Wales was traditionally uh, the leader in uh, vehicle um, crime volumes nationally. Um, and unfortunately, over the last few years, um, uh, whilst they've made um, some, uh, been able to sustain some significant reduction, Victoria's been creeping up, sometimes going up, uh, but sometimes coming back down, but mostly going up. Uh, and so we now inevitably enjoy, enjoy that uh, inenviable um, uh, title of being the car theft capital of, uh, of Australia. Um, Queensland's making a rapid uh, increase um, uh, as well. Um, and so we know we're working very closely with the Victoria Police to try and understand why that's occurring and implement some joint um, countermeasures to curtail that. Mm, well, that, that. That's good to hear. In, in terms of uh, vehicle types, uh, I noticed that small passenger and SUVs tend to take up the, the larger share of types of vehicles stolen. What would you say uh, is the reasoning behind that? I'm, I'm guessing there's more of them on the road, but, but it'll be good to hear some more detail. Yeah, there has been a change in, in market dynamics away from uh, the traditional large six-cylinder um, Falcon and Commodore uh, over the last um, uh, five years in particular, as, as they announced that they'd stopped making those vehicles. We've seen a massive growth in uh, sports utility vehicles, things like um, uh, the um, uh, Nissan Navara, the Toyota Hilux and Land Cruiser in particular. Toyota Hilux is an interesting vehicle because, um, as is the Navara, I guess, because it's one of those crossover vehicles that um, in their dual cab form can be a family vehicle, but they can also be used by a tradie um, to, uh, as a work vehicle as well. And so if, you, if you're in that circumstance and you lose your Toyota Hilux for a number of days or permanently, then obviously the, your capacity to work is really um, severely restricted. Having said that, as I alluded to earlier, um, the Nissan Pulsar was actually the most stolen car um, taken in Victoria in the last um, uh, 12 months with just under 370 thefts. Um, the Commodore was, notwithstanding what I said about um, the changing nature of the numbers over time, uh, the Commodore um, VE models, that's cars made between uh, 2006 and 2013, uh, came in at second at, uh, at 304 thefts, and then um, several other um, types of Commodore uh, make up um, the top 10 along with various um, sports utilities vehicles like the Hilux, um, the Ford Ranger is starting to become uh, a bit of an issue, um, which really points to um, that key safeguarding as being particularly important because all, nearly, with the exception of the Pulsar, um, all those other vehicles that make up our top 10 um, would have had to have had the keys to, in order to be stolen. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting stat. With... Uh luxury vehicles and, and sports cars. What would, can you say about uh, thefts related to them type of vehicles? Look, they're not overrepresented in, in the number. Uh, and if you're a reader of the Herald Sun, um, perhaps uh, two or three years ago, 
you would have thought that every BMW or Audi in Melbourne was being um, stolen uh, um, uh, by um, young criminals. Um, and whilst there was a spike for a period of time, they, they don't appear anywhere in probably even the top 50 um, vehicle targets. So there's certainly, um, if, if you put the profit-motivated side of the equation so to, to the side, um, there's not really any significant evidence that um, uh, the most prolific offenders are targeting prestige or luxury vehicles. They'll steal what they think they can get access to. Mm, yeah, that, that, that's an interesting one. With um, these type of incidents, the thefts, cars that are getting stolen, they're not getting resold. Uh, well, a small, a small proportion are. So that, that's what we call the, the profit motivated end of the spectrum, but not, not resold in their original form. So as it's simply too hard to um, uh, uh, be able to prove the provenance of a stolen vehicle and sell it uh, even to a private buyer. Uh, there's too many checks and balances in the place for that to not be able to be easily sort of identified and, and detected. Um, but about three in ten end up as separated parts, either sold domestically or increasingly um, exported overseas, particularly if their vehicles are like um, the Toyota product that are essentially a world vehicle. Mm, okay. Suburbs, uh, I'm sure our listeners, uh, you know, don't want their uh, place of residence to be one of the hotspot suburbs for car thefts. What can information can you provide us with uh, the different parts of Melbourne where car theft might be a bit more prominent? Yeah, and look, um, it's often a combination of the demographics of the, the community. So um, this isn't... Isn't a, a negative commentary on on the LGA's concerned, um, but they tend to be um, not very changeable year on year. So currently, the city of Hume in the northwest is uh, is number one, followed by uh, Casey in the southeast, Moreland back in the inner north, um, Bringbank in in the west, uh, Geelong and Dandenong, uh, and then Wyndham and, and Whittlesea. And Wyndham and Whittlesea are interesting case studies actually because they're, they're rapidly growing at such a great rate and probably beyond the capacity of the transport system, uh, the public transport system to meet commuter needs. They can be um, hotbeds of uh, vehicle theft activity simply to, to, for that transport task to get from A to B. We um, work with those municipalities to try and alert their residents to the risk of residential burglary at the moment through a program we, we're calling um, the Stop Sneak Theft Initiative, where we give the LGA a cash grant of $15,000 and some uh, in-kind resources like um, postcards and posters and other uh, giveaways so they can engage their residents in a discussion around the importance of uh, home security and safeguarding their keys as well. And look, they're very receptive to that message as a rule. Mm, that, that's that's good to hear. Is is are mechanisms like uh, home CCTV where you, know, you you basically can have the camera facing the street uh, for the from the driveway? Are these a real good uh, not only deterrence but ways to catch uh, car thieves? Um, they're certainly useful as an investigative tool. Um, and in fact, you'll notice in most um, police investigations that are uh, discussed on TV, they ask 
people to come forward with any CCTV footage in the proximity of the property that the crimes alleged to have occurred at, for example. But um, uh, we're all currently wearing a pretty effective form of, um, of uh, de-identification, if you like. So, look, I, I'm not convinced and I don't think the evidence says that they uh, deter determined thieves. Um, it may be a factor in selecting one site over another, I guess, in, in an opportunistic sense, but they've certainly got a role to play in perhaps uh, after the event detecting likely offenders. You'll often find that in, in the residential burglary space, local police might have a good idea about who might have been involved in the crime. And so in those cases, if there is CCTV footage, then that can help confirm that um, more quickly than uh, relying on other forensic techniques, for example. So I think that over on balance, they're a good thing to have if you can afford it. Um, uh, but um, don't rely on it solely as being uh, I've got CCTV, therefore I don't need to be worried about locking my doors and windows, mm. for example. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's uh, good to um, remember. With terms of the areas you identified, they're more on the outer outer sub suburb suburban areas. I know Moreland's in a in a LGA, but is it is the reason for that trend to exist? a product of um, the inner suburbs being harder for uh, criminals to get in and out of? Um, it's an interesting observation. Uh, it tends to be um, where there's the biggest population growth for some reason. Now, whether that's because there's more um, younger offenders in those um, areas than there is in the inner city on an affordability um, uh, and capacity basis, um, but it, it tends to be uh, in the um, medium to outer level suburbs that the highest rates of theft occur, as evidenced by the um, LGAs that we discussed uh, earlier. Mm, okay, well, that, that's that's interesting. It's it's great uh, to go through these stats um, with you, Jeff. I'm sure our listeners will be interested to to do uh, do some analysis of their own. What can you say about your website and what other filters and searches that uh, our listeners can can take to to really uh, educate themselves? Yeah, thanks. We've got a lot of data on the website, including a public dashboard that um, you can get a a quick snapshot of. Um, uh, where thefts occur, the time of day they're occurring, uh, typically over the course of a seven-day week and by um, a 24-hour clock. Uh, um, you can see the suburbs most at risk, but importantly, you can also um, rate the security of your own vehicle and likelihood of its theft based on our um, historical numbers as well. So if they uh, want to take the time to go to carsafe.com.au, um, there's a wealth of information, including all the tips we've discussed about uh, home security and popping keys out of sight as well. Um, so we, we'd recommend that they go there. And uh, if they want to contact us um, via our social platforms, um, we'll try and get back to them as quickly as we can with um, answers to any questions they may have. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, that'll be uh, terrific for, uh, t for them to be able to do so. In terms of uh, our discussion today, we've covered a, a, a really wide range of uh, aspects relating to motor vehicle theft. 
Are there any other areas that you feel are worth highlighting in terms of uh, awareness for our audience? Well, really, our, our, our number one, two and three messages is uh, uh, in relation to helping us and, and Victoria Police um, drive theft numbers down. It's important that we, uh, as a community, safeguard our keys. So it's really that, that very simple three-step message. Pop the keys out of sight, lock your doors and windows, and help us stop uh, sneak thefts. Excellent. Yeah, that is a, a message that we'll all uh, take on board. And it's been terrific to chat with you today, Jeff. Thanks so much for Likewise. the conversation. And, uh, and anything else you'd like to add before we go? No, thank you for the opportunity. We, we're here to try and work with uh, police, um, neighbourhood watch, crime stoppers and a whole raft of uh, other stakeholders to try and reduce the social and economic impact of vehicle crime. We're going into a particularly challenging period because of the economic conditions and so we really need the community to um, be more vigilant now than ever perhaps uh, and uh, hopefully we can uh, help the Victorian uh, um, community um, ease out of this terrible time that we've been through without having um, vehicle crime impact on it further. Thanks, Jeff, uh, for the chat. Uh, it's been terrific to chat with you today. Great. Thank you very much. Great to chat with Jeff in quite a broad-ranging discussion. We certainly encourage you to head to carsafe.com.au and take a look at the wealth of statistical information on offer relating to motor vehicle theft-related offences. Hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If you have any information relating to a motor vehicle theft, you can make a confidential and anonymous report to Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 or on our website at crimestoppersvic.com.au. In the case of an emergency, please contact 000. To keep up to date with future episodes, please hit the follow or subscribe button on your podcast player. Thanks for listening.